This podcast has been edited to reflect Kate Fagan's correct title, Restorative Justice Program Manager at the Mendocino County Jail. Stay tuned now for Byline Mendocino. And good morning. Welcome to Byline Mendocino. I'm your host, Alicia Bales. Byline Mendocino is a local media roundtable. I come to you on the first and third Fridays of the month at 9 o'clock, alternating with Joy LeClaire and Forthright Radio. And I talk with local news reporters and newsmakers about the latest headlines in Mendocino County. Today, I'm going to spend the whole hour taking a deeper look at a story that we ran on the KZYX Local News uh, titled, Sheriff Suspends Restorative Justice Program with Connections to Orgasmic Meditation Organization. It's a story by Sarah Reith, and it aired on KZYX on October 5th, and you can find it at kzyx.org uh, and also at the KZYX News Podcast if you want to listen back to it. It's our job and the job of local media to look into what's happening in our local communities uh, here in Mendocino County, of course. And the point of our work is to inform our community about issues that affect them. And it's particularly important when it comes to our public officials and institutions. If local journalists don't keep an eye on the workings of our local government, it's very unlikely that the public will be able to hold them accountable when they fail to operate in our best interest. So that's really what we're doing here with the KZYX News and KZYX in general. The orgasmic meditation story that KZYX aired on October 5th has to do with a group of people who were cleared to volunteer at the Mendocino County Jail in Ukiah and have been working with inmates there for over a year. This group is called the Unconditional Freedom Project, and they work with county staff at the jail, or they worked with county staff at the jail, on a program they called the Prison Monastery, teaching inmates yoga, meditation, and gardening. It turns out the people involved with Unconditional Freedom are also associated with a sexual wellness company called One Taste, which promotes a practice called orgasmic meditation. And One Taste is currently under investigation by the FBI for alleged sex trafficking, prostitution, and violations of labor law. So obviously, if this is true, it raises serious questions about the vetting process at the jail and who is responsible for letting unconditional freedom have access to the people incarcerated there. How did these people get into our jail and who let them in? So today on Byline Mendocino, I'll do my best to explain what we know about the Unconditional Freedom Project, its association with orgasmic meditation, and what they've been doing at the Mendocino County Jail. And my goal for this hour is to enable to enable our community to have an informed discussion about whether the prison monastery is something we think is appropriate to offer the inmates uh, we're responsible for in this county. And if not, to demand accountability from the sheriff's department for allowing the possible exploitation or the risk of exploitation of some of the most vulnerable members of our community, our, our jail population. First, though, I want to acknowledge that KZYX has broadcast a number of programs already about the prison monastery and the Unconditional Freedom Project at the county jail in Ukiah. Um, they call their work a restorative justice program. And on July 8th, 
we're not the only ones covering it. On July 8th, the Press Democrat printed an article by Kathleen Coates titled Inmates Learn the Art of Beekeeping at Mendocino County Jail. And July 23rd, Kylie Lawrence reported in the PD, inmates at Mendocino County build a chicken coop. All of this coverage so far has been very positive about the program at the jail. There really haven't been critical questions asked about unconditional freedom, such as who they were, where their funding comes from, or any of their affiliations. I'm not really sure why this is maybe people just saw inmates doing meditation yoga gardening beekeeping and they they just you know have their own we have our own biases about people in prison and about our ideas about beneficial lifestyle choices or alternative living and it kept us from asking critical questions because you know it, it looks good but maybe we all just want some good news i don't know but if anyone had done even a simple google search There's a whole lot of information out there uh, that raises a lot of questions about about who these people are and what they're doing. So KZYX News did decide to find out more about the Unconditional Freedom Project. We had scheduled a tour of the Ukiah Jail to look at the program at the end of September. And when we when we did a little looking, I mean, it was very little looking the first thing that popped up was a Wikipedia page about a company called One Taste. And it said, um, this is from Wikipedia. It said, One Taste is a business founded by Robert Candell and Nicole Daydone, dedicated to teaching the practices of orgasmic meditation and slow sex. The organization and its leadership have been accused of cult-like operations. One Taste is currently under investigation by the FBI for sex trafficking, prostitution, and violations of labor law. After the FBI investigation, they have rebranded and are operating as the Institute of OM and the Unconditional Freedom Project. That is a quote from the Wikipedia page for One Taste. So, needless to say... We were more than a little bit shocked. I mean, a a cult under investigation by the FBI for sex trafficking in the Ukiah jail? Like, what? And it didn't really take any digging at all to find out that the Unconditional Freedom Project might be associated with some potentially very sketchy business practices. The One Taste Wikipedia page goes on to describe the Unconditional Freedom Project as, quote, the group's quasi-Buddhist prison ministry that aims to, quote, turn prisons into monasteries, which currently does ministry at the Mendocino County Jail in Ukiah and the Central California Women's Facility, according to emails sent to and from the prisons. And this is still from Wikipedia. According to their website, members of the Unconditional Freedom Project correspond with inmates via mail, and provide them with spiritual guidance as outlined in two books from the organization that appear to be written by Nicole Daydon. And Daydon is is, uh, the founder of One Taste and Orgasmic Meditation. So here we are, Mendocino County's jail in Ukiah, on the Wikipedia page of One Taste, a company under federal investigation for sex trafficking. There we are, right? Right on that, right on that Wikipedia page. So, and also on the Wikipedia page, like it's Wikipedia. It's not like some deep probing investigative journalists, just like the basic first thing that pops up. There are dozens of footnotes with links to reports and articles about One Taste, who they are, how they operate, and their questionable business practices. So I'm going to play 
some excerpts of some of this reporting to give you a specific sense of what we found and what what made us so concerned about having people associated with One Taste operating inside our county jail. And the most significant article about the group was published in July 2018 by Bloomberg. Uh, and the, the reporter was Ellen Hewitt. And the title of her article was The Dark Side of One Taste, the Orgasmic Meditation Company. So I've got an excerpt of an interview on Bloomberg.com that Ellen Hewitt gave that gives a pretty good summary of One Taste and her reporting about them. So this is Ellen Hewitt, and she is a reporter for Bloomberg. My name is Ellen Hewitt. I'm a reporter for Bloomberg, and I wrote the story, The Dark Side of the Orgasmic Meditation Company. One Taste has several different philosophies that kind of guide what it does. They first and foremost believe that doing the orgasmic meditation practice, which is a 15-minute partnered clitoris stroking practice, helps open up your connection to um, your body, your desire, to other people. Basically, it just does many, many good things for you. And they see it as a practice that should be taught alongside um, meditation and yoga. You know, some people just take a few classes and some people it becomes their life. And I think for those in the group where it really takes over their life, some people love it and some people feel like it's the worst thing they've done. I spent a long time talking with, she's named as Michal in the story, that's just her first name. She struck me as someone who was just really relatable. She was in her late 20s when she joined. She had been a teacher in New York, and she had recently gotten out of a relationship. She was feeling a little low and thinking to herself, maybe I need to meet some new people, make a change in my life. And she encountered One Taste the way that many people do, uh, which is through one of their free events. Hi! Ia, of course, I wish you would back up, is in our desire room. You would show up, and it's a bunch of people, and maybe you do something like play communication games. I'm about to write down some desires and put them on the wall. Yeah, we're just going to paper the walls. And she leaves with this impression that these people are really... Like they've figured something out and they continued to get in touch with her and they said, hey, you know, if you want to learn more about orgasmic meditation, maybe you should take our intro to OM class. And this is a class where you, um, you know, they talk about the philosophy of one taste, they teach you about orgasmic meditation. Um, They have a demo in which the two teachers demonstrate um, one OM session in front of the class. So how we'll do it is I'll describe what's going to happen. And then I'll bring in two people to do the demonstration for you. And then at the end of the day's class, they would let students pair up if they wanted and try orgasmic meditation for the first time. So that's what she did. And after that, you know, they just kind of kept getting in touch with her. And it happens gradually and then all at once. Like she got closer with these people. She left her job to come start working for One Taste. And she moved out of her home to move into an ohm house, as they called it, in New York. I've had people describe orgasm to me as a force, almost like the force from Star Wars. So people would talk about how, like, you know, listen to your orgasm. Like, what is it telling you? And, like, is it telling you to do this or that? And they would rely on people who were very advanced in one taste to help them understand 
um, how they should be sort of following their orgasm. The people I talked to who got involved seemed really similar to myself. They just seemed really normal, right? These are people, and I felt that there was something pretty universally human about what they wanted. They were looking for community, meaning. They wanted to belong to a group of people who felt like they were working all together towards something really special and important. For a while, it was very popular within the group to believe that if you were having sex with a lot of people, that you would um, free yourself from the things that uh, constrained you in terms of how you related to other people. And they often talked about how preferences were something that would hold you back. And this meant that you gained sort of more spiritual enlightenment if you had sex with or did sexual acts um, that you didn't want to. It taught members to ignore their personal boundaries um, about what they did and didn't want to do. And so Michal starts taking more classes. You know, these classes are very expensive. They can cost anywhere from several hundred dollars um, to some of them are thousands of dollars for a retreat. And you can pay $60,000 for a year-long membership, which lets you take any of the classes you want. So quickly, um, she started spending more and more money. Um, it kind of leads into this larger teaching that One Taste had, which was that money is just sort of an emotional obstacle to getting what you want. Going into debt to pay for courses was really common. This was actually something that salespeople at One Taste would encourage students and customers to do. They would say, oh, if you really want this course, you'll, you know, you'll find a way to pay for it. Look, you could even open a new credit card. The company pressured customers to buy classes and to even take on debt to buy classes. The company used sex to get sales, and they did this in several different ways. You know, we have people who talk about how they were, as salespeople, instructed to own with or have sex with somebody who was then called up to, um, you know, buy a course. Partway through the year, Michal met somebody in One Taste. They got married. They got married at a One Taste retreat. And all of a sudden, she and her husband, they just had sort of gotten swept up in this whirlwind of the One Taste life. She was in around $20,000 in debt. She and her husband together had spent about $150,000. That's their estimate. Eventually, soon after they got married, Michal kind of reached a breaking point for a variety of reasons. She was feeling really stressed. Someone that she worked with, who was like her closest friend in one taste, left. And over time, she and her husband decided, like, we need to leave. Leaving one taste is this very lonely thing because once you leave the group, um, people inside the group are told that um, to never talk to you. Um, people sometimes referred to people who had left the group as dead. Um, and so it can feel very lonely because you have left this group that was, you know, your friends, um, often the people you lived with, the people you worked with, and you often break from them very suddenly, and then you don't really have anywhere to go. And the people out here think that the group that you just came from is super strange and they don't understand. There are a series of allegations in the story, and One Taste had different responses to each of them. So they say that they never um, required anybody to have sex with each other in the work context. Generally, the company says they never used sex for sales um, and that this is not something that they taught. Many people who had past experiences with One Taste said that they felt pressured to 
take on debt to buy courses. And the company said, we took money from people that we shouldn't have and that we've changed our policies since. I saw parallels between the way that One Taste ran and the way that some startups run, which is like, you really want to be part of a tightly knit group that is charging toward like a very unique solution that has a lot of meaning. That's what drove people to become super involved in One Taste. That's part of what drives people to um, work crazy hours for very little money for you know the chance at equity at like some company that you think is going to change the world. And for many of the people I talked to after the story ran, they were grateful that this was something that was finally being told. And their reactions to seeing their personal and confusing and weird and isolating story told in a major magazine um, was really heartening to me um, and was really meaningful to them. All right, that was Ellen Hewitt, a reporter for Bloomberg. This is Alicia Bales. You're listening to Byline Mendocino here on KZYX. Another fascinating investigation of One Taste was done by the BBC's Nastaran Tavakoli Farr. She produced a nine-episode podcast called The Orgasm Cult that dug deep into One Taste and how the wellness industry can exploit vulnerable people with promises of healing and community. She talked with many former members of One Taste and found that One Taste used extremely aggressive marketing practices to sell expensive classes. So here's an excerpt from episode five of The Orgasm Cult by Nastaran Tavakoli Far. A real revolution. One taste we're trying to change the world through business. In many ways, one taste was, yeah, sure, there was a lot of, you know, talk of sexuality and sex, and that was really central to it. But it was also very much a techie phenomenon and attracted a lot of people from that world. And this idea that we're going to create a business and that business is going to make the world a better place. From around 2011, Wante started to get pretty aggressive in their sales tactics. Until then, they'd been in the red, and they were largely kept afloat by money from a Silicon Valley venture capitalist called Reese Jones, who also happened to be in a relationship with Nicole at the time. Nicole was tired of Wante's being poor, so price tags for courses went up, and the sales tactics got fiercer. They also started teaching people how to become OM coaches. The first coaching program was a weekend a month for 10 months. That was the first program we offered that cost in the thousands. So I think the, I think the first one was something like $5,000 or something, which to everyone at the time was like, oh my God, who can afford that? How could we possibly live with ourselves to charge that much for a course? Um, but then as it grew, it kind of became the cash cow for a while. Sophie says the sales tactics were massively manipulative. For example, before we would teach an intro to um, class, which is the most basic, like, first course anybody takes that they pay much money for, we would call every participant in the class ahead of time and just ask them, like, how are they feeling about the class? How did they learn about it? Is there anything they're nervous about? Like a general call that we called a fluff call. And to a participant, it feels a lot like, wow, these people really care about my experience. They want me to have a good time. Like they want me to like feel well held. I know for myself, I felt that when I got a call, it was like, oh my gosh, they're thinking about me. Like they wanna know that I'm gonna be well held in this class. 
And all of the information from that fluff call gets written on a spreadsheet. This wasn't always the case, but later on, this is how we did it. We would then color code the spreadsheet in like red is they're probably going to be a no to buying something as an upsell all the way up to green is like wow they're ripe to just like go all the way and we're gonna sell them this this and this and we'd have next to all the notes of how they're doing and getting ready for the class we would have like this is the course we're gonna specifically target them for upselling so all of that sounds a lot to the person who spent like we care about you but it's actually like we care about your money you sound like you're gonna be able to buy this thing or while they're in a course there are people in the back of the room on their computers like taking notes about the vulnerable stories they're sharing about their lives that were then used in the future towards getting them to buy something. And that to me felt weird and not great. And I would be lying to say I never did any of that also or bought into that. While there are all these questions in my mind, there was also this deep desire of mine to be liked and to have community and to have the approval of the higher ups and the executive team like that was gold to me and the prices were getting unreal yeah a lot of money especially watching people who didn't have a lot of money get convinced and persuaded that not only was there a way if they just had enough desire they could find $10,000 or take out a new credit card and just being surrounded by people in massive debt but with just such a heavy dose of Kool-Aid in their system that it was not even questioned. Definitely was having questions of like, this is a ton of money to be paying for any sort of wellness or personal growth thing. One Taste staff got people to reveal their secrets, so they then knew how to best persuade potential customers into buying an expensive course. All right, that was an excerpt of a BBC podcast titled The Orgasm Cult by Nastara and Tavakoli Farr. I'm Alicia Bales, and this is Byline Mendocino. And today on Byline, I'm taking a deeper look at a story by Sarah Reith for the KZYX News about the Unconditional Freedom Project and their work at the Ukiah Jail and whether or not they're connected to this group called One Taste. But first... Before we go on with this incredible story, we are going to take a break to talk to you about our fundraising drive. Hey, Tom. Hey, Alicia. This may be one of those times when you're happy to hear from us <laughs> as an interruption. What's a concerning story, but something that's important to know about. And uh, we'll get back to that story in a minute. But for right now, we are in the midst of our fall fund drive. That's fun with a D on the end. And you can help us keep programs like this and others that you've come to depend on uh, coming your way from KZYX by going online to kzyx.org. All right. Thank you, Tom. And let's get back to the story about One Taste and the Unconditional Freedom Project. So I just ran an excerpt of a BBC podcast titled The Orgasm Cult, uh, talking about some of the very predatory business practices of getting personal and traumatic information from people, databasing it, and then using it to upsell expensive courses. Um, This was One Taste's 
uh, business practice, according to this this investigative reporter, Nastar Antavakoli-Far, for the BBC. Obviously, KZYX News doesn't have the resources that the BBC and Bloomberg have to investigate or verify all of these claims that are being made. But I want to stress that the information that I just played for you just turned up from the most basic Google search. It was not hard to find the link between the organization working with inmates in Ukiah and One Taste, the orgasmic meditation group. And most importantly, it raises a lot of questions that we need to ask. And that most important question is, did Sheriff Kendall know about this? And how did these people get into the jail? So at the beginning, at the end of September, KZYX News went on a tour of the jail. This was on Monday, September 26th. And at the end of the tour, we asked this question. Uh, to the restorative justice program manager, Kate Fagan. We, we asked her if she and the sheriff knew about the connection between um, the executive director of the Unconditional Freedom Project, uh, a man named Marcus Ratnathakan, and One Taste. Kate told us, yes. She said she didn't understand what orgasmic meditation was, but she knew that Marcus Ratnathakan, the executive director of the Unconditional Freedom Project, was connected to One Taste. So KZYX News asked her if she was concerned about potential predatory practices being used with vulnerable inmates, and Kate replied that she didn't think Marcus would ever do anything like that. Most importantly, we asked, did Sheriff Kendall know about Marcus's affiliation with One Taste? And we were told that they had several meetings with Marcus and decided to move forward with a partnership. Now, we don't know what Sheriff Kendall, Kate Fagan, and Marcus Ratnathakan talked about in these meetings. But whether the sheriff knew what One Taste was and that they were under an FBI investigation, the information was out there. One way or another, the Unconditional Freedom Project, what Wikipedia described as the quasi-Buddhist prison ministry of One Taste, has been operating in the Mendocino County Jail for over a year. And they're using a manual written by the founder of One Taste, Nicole Daydone. It's called The Art of Soul Making, and it's the basis of, uh, according to people from the Prison Monastery Project, it's the basis of the work they're doing in there. So, next I'm going to talk about the instant and the overwhelming response we got from members of the Unconditional Freedom Project just for asking this very basic question about their association with One Taste. Including, we got a call from their lawyer before we even published a story. And Sheriff Kendall's decision to suspend the program when KZYX News began looking into it. A little bit later, I'll talk about the many questions and problems raised by the revelation that an unvetted group associated with an alleged cult has been working with inmates in Ukiah for over a year. So KZYX did go on the tour of the Prison Monastery Project. Like I said, that was Monday, September 26th. And we asked the project manager if she was aware of the associations between unconditional freedom and one taste, and she said yes. She also told us she and the sheriff had several meetings with Marcus Ratnathakan and decided to move forward with the program at the jail. That Wednesday, an attorney representing Marcus Ratnathakan, the executive director of Unconditional Freedom, emailed us, and on Friday, we received this. This is a message from Karen Callahan, C-A-R-E-N-C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N. 
Friday afternoon, about 4.20 on September the 30th, I'm a local attorney and I represent uh, unconditional freedom that is running a project at our local jail. And one of your reporters is running a story um, about them and another entity, uh, one case that they're conflating uh, with my client. And I'd like the opportunity to speak to you about this. If you would be so kind as to return my phone call, I would greatly appreciate it. And I'm also going to follow this up with an email. Thank you so much. All right. So the only thing KZYX News had done at this point was ask if the sheriff was aware of this pretty well-documented connection between the Unconditional Freedom Project and One Taste. We hadn't broadcast any reporting of our findings, and considering the gravity of the information we felt we'd turned up, we wanted to find out more before filing a report. Needless to say, we've never gotten a call from a lawyer about any of our stories before, and and definitely not one we hadn't even published yet. It felt like we were being intimidated like they were trying to stop us from letting the community know about this possible connection between the prison monastery and one taste and orgasmic meditation. So when Sarah Reith did speak to Sheriff Kendall, he seemed genuinely shocked by the revelations about unconditional freedom, and he almost immediately suspended the program at the jail. This also happened before Sarah's report aired on October 5th, and before our community in general had had a chance to find out about this and ask questions about what was going on in the jail and how unconditional freedom was allowed in there in the first place. After the program was suspended in the jail, Sarah's report ran on KZYX and was published in the redheaded black belt newspaper. Then we started to receive messages from a number of people connected to the prison monastery responding. We got angry emails, we got letters, texts, and calls, all from these from people connected with, with that group. Marcus Rathnatikam himself sent this email accusing us of doing what he said, tremendous harm to the Mendocino County community. And he said we, quote, chose to report on a false linkage between One Taste and the nonprofit organization Unconditional Freedom, suggesting that some of the negative, factually untrue allegations against One Taste are somehow exposing the inmate population in the jail to harm. He said we didn't do proper journalistic research, or no, journalist research, and referred to the ongoing defamation lawsuit filed by One Taste against the BBC for their podcast expose. But Marcus himself is a One Taste practitioner, and he's the executive director of the Unconditional Freedom Project. He himself is a link between these two organizations. KZYX News received this message from the husband of one of the people working in the prison monastery who said, this is via text, you are reckless, you are irresponsible, you are a child. You are not a trustworthy person in this community that we've spent our adult lives only trying to improve. Have fun playing newspaper with your friends, and please avoid me, my family, and my restaurants. People affiliated with One Taste also started calling Sarah Reith to harangue her, and one of them has written a number of letters to the editor about her reporting in the red-headed black belt newspaper, arguing in excruciating minutia that there's no connection between One Taste and the Unconditional Freedom Project and their work at the county jail. So... KZYX News is in good faith here. Our purpose is to give information to our listeners, enable informed discussion about what is appropriate at the county jail. And when we looked into connections between the two groups, there are many. It's, it's, I, I also, I almost want to say it's irrefutable. 
For one thing, all of the volunteers who were cleared to work in the Ukiah jail on the Unconditional Freedom Project's prison monastery are affiliated in one taste, either as practitioners of orgasmic meditation, teachers, or some other role. This includes Marissa Ward, Executive Director Marcus Rathnaticam, and Mauricio Clavel, who was cleared to work in the garden at Juvenile Hall. Mauricio and Marissa Ward are pictured on the One Taste website. Another thing, the curriculum of the Unconditional Freedom Project is a manual called The Art of Soul Making, which was written by One Taste founder, Nicole Dedone. And we found that the two organizations use the same mailing address in Santa Rosa, One Taste and Unconditional Freedom Project. KZYX News has since uncovered many more other connections between One Taste and the people affiliated with the Unconditional Freedom Project. Their claims that there's no link or that the link is false is just we found that that is just not true. And I find it interesting that a group that claims to advocate radical accountability has responded with such volume and vitriol to try to intimidate a community radio station that just asked a couple of obvious questions. So why does this, why does any of this matter? I think it's really important to raise some of the questions and problems that I think we need to address here as a community. First of all, Let's look at what the Unconditional Freedom Project itself says about their program at the Ukiah Jail. I mentioned that KZYX has broadcast a number of public affairs programs about the Prison Monastery Project that were uncritical and generally laudatory of the program at the jail. The most recent was on the Farm and Garden Show with Elizabeth Archer on August 13th. And I'm going to play an excerpt from Elizabeth's show where she interviewed Marissa Ward of Unconditional Freedom, who is who describes what the pro- program is out there. And Marissa is also, as I mentioned, a master level certified coach of orgasmic meditation and a trainer for One Taste. So this is from KZYX Farm and Garden Show on August 13th. Can you give us just a little background? Like, when was the prison monastery founded and what was the motivation? What are its primary goals? Because I honestly don't know that much about the program, and I'm assuming folks listening don't either. Absolutely. So it was founded uh, early in 2020, really not long ago. Um, It came through uh, times with the pandemic, oddly enough, and we officially launched in a first our first facility in November of 2020 at Central California Women's Facility, which is the largest women's facility in the country. Yeah. Um, This initiative to start sewing masks, because we were kept reading articles, a lot of the articles we read listed prisons across the country as one of the top places lacking, uh, you know, protective gear for both staff and the incarcerated residents. So, we started calling prisons, taking masks, mask orders, um, asking about their color restrictions and guidelines. And then we got to sewing. When our orders started growing to thousands, we started partnering with other distributors to secure masks for prisons. And as we got more involved with the carceral system, we recognized a deep need for programming and services for those incarcerated during we gather the experts in their field on our staff, from yoga teachers, meditation teachers, professional writers and educa- educators, social workers, and we designed a program that could offer access to inner peace and transformation regardless of external circumstances. And that is how the Prison Monastery Workbook was first born. And so how did you end up in Mendocino County and how many other um, uh, prisons are you working with? 
Yeah, so Mendocino County, we started looking locally. So Central California Women's Facility was our first facility to receive the Art of Soul Making, which is our flagship program for the Unconditional Freedom Project. And it's basically the experience of a monastery in a workbook with guidance for yoga, sitting meditation, reflective writing, a series of lessons on various topics like uh, all humans have basic dignity and are innately good, uh, working with pain, how to transmute your pain into purpose. So our workbook covers a lot of that and then integration questions for people to go through and really create their own monastery within themselves and within their environment. Um, once we got this program rolling, we looked locally and we're like, oh, there's a jail right here. We reached out to the jail about um, our programming. We were also starting to build the garden program we wanted to do. Mendocino County Jail already had a garden that they were looking for people to come help continue to uh, grow and take over. And so once we you know, offered our programs, they were an immediate uh, partner. They loved the idea of uh, prison being returned to its original intent of a place where you can do penitence, self-reflection, growth, while being, you know, taking some time away from society and your everyday life. That's its original intent. And so the idea that a program or a group of programs wanted to restore it to that, they were very much on board. Well, and we're going to talk quite a bit about the garden. That's definitely where Joshua's going to hop on. Uh, but before we get to the garden, can you talk about, I know that's just one part of the Unconditional Freedom Project. What other elements are at play in the, the jail we have here in Mendocino? I know that there's the workbook and you mentioned um, yoga. Can you just talk about the other elements that incarcerated people are, are benefiting from? Yeah, and then to just also go back to your question that I missed. Um, we're in 121 facilities across the country now. With 121 some facilities yeah. in two years? Yeah, with some element of our programming. And, and Artist Soul Making is definitely the leading program because it, it's such a simple thing to implement. You know, it works within the current structure. It's at no cost to any of the facilities. And it sets each individual up with a workbook, a yoga mat if the prison allows it. Um, some facilities do, some don't. A uh, blank journal for their writing exercises, and then pre-addressed, pre-stamped envelopes where they can write with a volunteer pen pal on the outside who's also going through their own experience of soul making. So it's just such a no-brainer of something you can offer as a resource to people who are incarcerated. Um, so that's our that's our first program. And, and probably our program with the most reach right now cool and so then do the pen pals are they also working through that same workbook or just on their own yeah. sort of journey yeah a mix you know mm -hmm. they they have access to the workbook the exercises and then you're you're writing one another about your insights on these different topics about your experiences that the element of connection is is really such a huge part of the healing process and the growth process and so that's that's what this provides. Wow. That was Marissa Ward of the Unconditional Freedom Project and One Taste speaking with Elizabeth Archer on the KZYX Farm and Garden Show on August 19th. So 
This is Alicia Bales. Um, you're listening to Byline Mendocino here on KZYX. And I'm doing a show on KZYX News' report about the Unconditional Freedom Project in the Ukiah Jail, the Mendocino County Jail in Ukiah, a story by Sarah Wright that we aired on October 5th. The project has since been suspended from the jail. But here are the questions I think we need to ask as a community. So from what Marissa said marissa ward said the art of soul making is the manual that it's at the heart of their program so and it's written by one taste founder nicole de Don. here's my question has the mendocino county jail vetted this program in any way are there any substantiated data or metrics to support its use Next, inmates are among the most vulnerable populations in our country, especially women inmates who experience high levels of sexual and other kinds of abuse and violence while behind bars. The Art of Soul Making includes a survey at the beginning and the end of the program to measure what they call human flourishing, very scientific term there. Does the personal information collected about the inmates through that survey get sent to one taste? How about the personal information shared through the pen pal program? Is anyone overseeing it at the county to make sure that the inmates aren't corresponding with people who engage in predatory business practices? And how do we know? Another question. The Unconditional Freedom Project calls itself a restorative justice program at the Ukiah Jail. Restorative justice is a fairly well-established process that usually involves very sensitive meetings over time between perpetrators and their victims. As far as I can tell, nothing about the art of soul-making, beekeeping, gardening, yoga, and meditation can be called restorative justice. Is there more to it? Or is the Unconditional Freedom Project simply appropriating this term uh, in order to bolster their cred? Fourth, Unconditional Freedom told us that they are funded by, quote, foundation grants and tax-exempt donations from private donors. They have multiple interlinking glossy websites, and they seem to produce documentaries and expensive-looking video clips about just about everything that they do. So who exactly is funding them, and why? We were told that 117 active inmate participants in the jail were uh, involved in the program when it was suspended. So, and they were corresponding with pen pals outside of the jail. KZYX News found that the pre-addressed envelopes given to inmates to send their pen pal letters went to the Unconditional Freedom Project's P.O. Box in Santa Rosa. So here's another question. Who has these letters? What kind of information was collected about the inmates? And has there been any follow-up by the jail with any of the program participants to see how they're doing? And of course, the big question, why wasn't unconditional freedom vetted a year ago? And who's accountable for this? Are budget problems so bad at the county that we would turn to a sex business under investigation by the FBI to run our programs in the jail and in juvenile hall? Finally, let's hold ourselves accountable too. As a community, we need to think critically, we need to ask questions, we need to do research, and we need to demand answers from our county government. They're acting in our name, and they're using public money, and we have every right to know what they are doing and to hold them to a high standard of behavior that is consistent with our community's values, especially when it involves 
very vulnerable people within our community who are incarcerated at our jail. We're responsible for the well-being of those folks once they're in the custody of our local government. So that's what I've got for you here today on Byline. And what do you think? What questions does this story raise for you? You can go back and listen to Sarah Wright's original reporting on the One Taste Unconditional Freedom Connection at KZYX.org. Or you can read her ongoing coverage at KimKemp.com. That's the redheaded black belt online newspaper out of Humboldt County. Um, And we will continue to follow this story. I would really like to know the answers to these these questions um i am going to leave it there for now we'll see what what you know if anybody has any other questions or any other thoughts about uh the art of soul making one taste the prison monastery project or anything else please do uh get in touch my email is pd at kzyx.org so this is Byline Mendocino. I'm your host, Alicia Bales. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.